I can do it. I haven't done it in a second. Cool. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Never Made Varsity Podcast. My name is David, and you can find me on Twitter at DRivera1222. I'm no longer plugging my burner. <laughs> I'm gonna. Tra- I'm officially transitioning. Well, hello there again. My name is Maverick. I've shaved all my hair off, and I look like a poor man's Dante DiVincenzo. So you can find me <laughs> on Twitter Dante. at heartbreak underscore underscore kid. LOL. <laughs> and tell me I'm wrong. He's not lying. He, he's not lying, no. <laughs> and my name is Colby. You can find me on Twitter at Colby Complains. Also Instagram. What's up, y'all? I'm Another surviving. I, I, my summer officially began on Friday because I had a summer camp the week right after school ended. So I wasn't technically done. So now I'm officially done. So now I'm now I'm sipping on some uh, grape juice. I can tell. So but, uh, <laughs> do we have to acknowledge where Aaron is every week? He's not here. He's and it's going to be like that for a while. He's on a pilgrimage. <laughs> Wow, I just blanked. <laughs> I was waiting for you. Blank. I was he's waiting in for Israel. You. He's in for Israel. Who's under a rock? Yes, he's in Israel. Maverick, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. So I came up. I came home after work on Monday night, and I was just like, "Yeah, I want to cut my hair." So I had my mom do it. So just oh, she just like she just took dude. a razor to it and shaved it. Yeah, because she's wow. a, I mean, she's a, she's a hairstylist. So oh, I didn't we know have, that. Okay, we, actually, we have an entire workroom in my house, so it's just a walk down the hallway. Nice. Dramatic shifts in hair. Maverick, are you going through anything? Do you have anything you need to funny, tell us? Funny you say that. I walked into work the next day, and one of my coworkers is like, you know, Britney Spears did this one time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I promise it's not for those reasons. I'm fine. It's just a nice summer bus. Guy. I, I had my hair like this in freshman year. Yeah, we all look so like babies. Ago. We all look like babies freshman year. I look back at pictures of us that that long ago, and we're I'm like Jesus Christ, like yeah. children. We don't even look like that anymore. It's the older we get, the more. So like when I was in high school, it's like I'm an adult. I know what I'm doing. And then I get to college, I'm like y'all are babies. It's like, and then you graduate college, and you're like Jesus Christ, like <laughs> you're also around children like all the time. So. Me, yeah. <laughs> now it accentuates my beard though, so. I wish I, I could grow one. I'm still working on it. I have so, a go. I have my soft goatee, and that's about it. Because <laughs> I wouldn't have done this if I didn't have what I have now, like goatee wise and everything. Because then I'd really look like a baby face. Yeah, I'm still working with the struggle beard. We're getting there. Same, bro. I feel you. <laughs> so, you know, I am fine. Days. My mental health is stable. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking on you, bud. Thank so, you. Yeah. Let's uh let's just jump into it. I'm doing well, by the way. I'm oh chilling. yeah, we probably should have just asked you that. <laughs> Look at us no. not being courteous. It's all good. I'm I'm just I'm just chilling. Just doing my thing. My mother would be disappointed in me. I just so y'all know. <laughs> let's Shame. jump ding, ding. into the actual stuff. So the draft happened. Yes, you it know, did. I had a good time watching that draft. I think that's the first draft in a while I've had a, like actually enjoyed watching. I mean, the main thing is you go from last year, where I don't think a, a single transaction um, took place like in the later rounds, um, whereas this year it's almost like a record number of trades that happened. Like 
It's like every other pick. This has actually been traded to somebody else. And yet they still walk up with the hat of the original team, which I don't like. Can we can we talk about that for one second? I think that's the stupidest thing. Like the NFL draft doesn't have this issue. Like I realize that they have to go through the collective bargaining stuff and like and they are technically to, not valid until July six. Until like July six, but like they need to move back free agency. Like they like didn't you argue that Kobe that they need to move free agency before the draft? I think I mentioned that before. I just think it would be more interesting, and it works out better for GMs because then they can evaluate what they need before the draft, but after free agency. Yeah, I like that idea. Like you, if you don't get what you need in free agency, then you can draft to need at that point, which is also what just, it should be anyway. Just in aesthetic wise, too, I want to be able to see the player that's going to be on my team in my draft cap. Right. Like, you I know, don't want I'm someone s- to have to Photoshop it on. Right. Like you know, for example, you know, isn't yeah? So Cam Johnson got drafted, quote unquote, by the Timberwolves. But in actuality, it's the Suns. He's going to Phoenix, yeah. If he had walked up on stage and had a Minnesota Timberwolves hat, it's like, that's so stupid because that's your moment. And it's forever going to be on the hat. It's going to be with the hat of the team you did not get actually picked on. I don't know. I think it's stupid. Yeah, it's like Kobe Bryant wearing a Charlotte Hornets hat. Oh, God, don't talk to me about it. (laughs) Or Dirk wearing a Milwaukee Bucks hat. David, you got to get off that narcotic. It's just a uh, Vlade Divach. Just forever remember that. <laughs> no, yeah. I also found it interesting. Well, no, it's a different conversation. I can talk about that later. Never mind. There are some interesting things that happened in the draft. I don't think. I think for the most part, it was kind of. I don't know. There were some interesting picks at times, but I don't know. Y- y'all know how I feel about yeah. the draft. It's hard for me to get excited about it. That's fair. But let's talk about the, the big stuff. So Zion went number one, of course. Shock. Uh, Jean Morant went number two, of course. Shock. And then just like Carolina stuff that we're interested in. Kobe White to the Bulls. We had a feeling he would go somewhere in that range. I think that's a good place for him to, to go. I was so happy that Minnesota skipped on him. Like yeah, that, so so not happy. Not a good organization right now. They're kind of floundering. I mean, and I know the Bulls are also not the greatest right now, but they have they have you know, pedigree. Pedigree, exactly. Hey, the last time a guard from Carolina went to Chicago, it ended up working pretty well. I gotta so. listen. I gotta listen to the pregame intros now. Just so I can hear, at guard from the University of North North Carolina. Carolina. (laughs) Michael, uh, I mean, Kobe White. Oh, something I didn't realize from the 1984 draft. Now I I wish I didn't find out. Dallas had the number four pick in that draft. And you picked who? We got uh, Sam Perkins from Carolina. Well, that's not bad. But we were were the pick behind Michael Jordan. I I get it, yeah. So I think that was a great. You can do a lot worse than Perk, though. <laughs> yes, uh, and we did. Oh, well, I guess there were several people who went after us, but we also missed out on Charles Barkley, who went fifth in that draft. Hmm. That was a good draft. That, that is was a really good draft. draft. That's a great went draft. Like seventeenth. That's in that also draft. The, that's also the Hakeem draft. Yeah, Hakeem mm-hmm. went one. Uh, legendary Sam Bowie of the Portland <laughs> Trailblazers went two. Well, that was what that was kind of what my conversation was. Is that nobody ever talks about Hakeem getting drafted before? uh michael because 
Yeah, but Hakeem's a beast. Like, I know, right? Hakeem exactly. But you monster. never talk about it. You never talk about it. <laughs> the Dream Shake had one of the most unstoppable moves since Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Um, but back to the draft. I mean, Kobe White at seven. I loved him going to the Bulls. Some people were saying that he's a Cameron, uh, not Cameron Arter's pain. Wow, I'm already my mind is on football. Um, <laughs> that he's a campaign. Um, like rip off, like he's going to be another Cameron Payne. And I don't think that's the case. I feel like he's a better shooter and a better facilitator. I think it'll work out well. I have faith in Kobe white. Also, he puts out positive energy into the world and he will receive it back. So I'm happy for him. I mean, Cameron Payne is like a, um, he's like a, a Walmart brand, Russell Westbrook. Right. And I feel like that's where, like, Russ is Kobe White's ceiling. And I think Cameron Payne's a good place to put his floor, honestly. Well, that's not even that bad. Yeah, it's not even that bad. I I think he'll be, I think he's a good fit for him. I am worried about people being frustrated with him because he can tend to be a volume shooter at times. And as we saw with Donovan Mitchell... Everyone loves the volume shooter in their first year. Once that second year rolls around, some of that uh, some of that shininess wears off. So I think that he has better handles than Donovan Mitchell too, though. So I think he can get his shot off a little bit better. And well, he, I, th- I think he has really good positional size. Like a six five point guard is really solid. Um, so I think he'll end up doing really well. Well, Donovan Mitchell also played the two guard at Louisville, right? Like, exactly. Was, he, he was not the point guard when he was there. So, so, um, and I think Kobe White, even though, I mean, he pushes the tempo, he plays fast, uh, it'll work out well. I have faith. Uh, Jackson Hayes to the Hawks. I think that's Jackson Hayes, Trey Young. I think that's it. Atlanta's going to be, if they aren't good, they will be interesting. Wait, I thought DeAndre yeah. Hunter went to the Hawks. You're right. Too. Both of them did because they Actually, got all those picks. Uh, the yeah. Hawks are going to trade Jackson Hayes to the Pelicans because it was DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish that they got. So right, right. The Luka Doncic trade was officially completed. It would be Trey Young and Cam Reddish for Luka Doncic. So that, that's a haul you know. for the the Hawks, though. That's really, I really like DeAndre Hunter's game, and I think Cam Reddish is a little overrated. But that's my personal opinion. Uh, I could y'all can quote me on that if it bites me in the butt and he becomes like a top 10 all time player. But I mean, I don't think he's I think he disappears too much. But also the thing that people really forget is that once you enter the NBA, that's your job. Like you spend all of your time, hopefully improving. So like you see these people develop a shot like when Theo Pinson went off to the NBA, when he went to the G League. I mean, he developed a three point shot like we were like, what the heck? Where did that come from? When Kobe White, when Cam Johnson, when Nas Little go to the NBA and it's their job to get better every other day, like every day or every other day, I feel like the improvement is going to be exponential. I feel like when they start spending every day and they don't have to worry about going to class and all that crap, like I feel and then, you know, they're traveling together. They got more practices. They don't have to deal with NCAA stuff. It's like I feel like it'll work out better and, and their dude, improvement will be go to class at all. Right. That's right. You know, they took, you know, fake classes, whatever. Go to class, Carolina student. Uh, so, two quick things. 
the thing about the Theo thing is weird because he had a jump shot in high school that like disappeared for three years in college, which is just strange. So I'm glad he got that back. The second thing with Cam Reddish, I think it's easy to disappear when you have Zion Williamson and he think he's Kobe on your team. So I feel like like within an offense, I think Cam Reddish can be able to do his thing a little bit more reliably. That's fair. And, you know, there are times where I'd be like, I mean, he, he did the whole Clay Thompson thing where he'd pull up from anywhere and then drain it. And you're like, ah, crap. <laughs> so he's got that kind of spark plug thing going for him. If he could just, you know, if he can fight the whole disappearing act. And I think Trey, you know, as much as Trey Young, Luka Doncic always get compared, like Trey Young's not a joke either. Like he's doing really well in the NBA for himself. Like I think he's a good point guard. And I think he'll do a good job of getting others involved. DeAndre Hunter is good, um, and he'll be solid too. Cam Reddish, and then whoever else they got on that Hawk squad. Uh, John Collins is he? Is John Collins still over there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. John Collins, and then I don't even know who their I don't know who their center is, but they're they're starting to get a young squad. Same with the Kings. Like the nobody talks about the Kings. The Kings are getting a squad a little bit too. Yeah, but uh, I. Still feel like both of those teams are a couple years away. Oh yeah, I'm not saying they're going to compete this year, but you know you can see the the infancy of of good squads coming in. But the thing about teams like that though is that they're going to run into the Warriors problem where all their contracts are up at the same time. Yeah, that's fair. So. We'll see how all that works out. Moving on through the draft, uh, Cameron Johnson was a surprise. The first surprise. uh, To go to Phoenix at 11. I was... Listen, y'all heard... Y'all have heard me complain about the draft. My face when I saw the tweet that Cam was going to the Suns, like, I literally shouted across the house. I was like, Cam got picked 11. You did the Kobe White, where he was like, excuse me? <laughs> I mean, he, every single mock draft had him going in the mid-20s and such. And then for right. him to go at 11, I mean, I was, in a, in a lot of ways, I was so ecstatic for him with all of his worth, the, just the storyline of transferring from Pittsburgh, coming to Carolina, basically, like, just making himself more of a complete player, and now turning into a, a surprise lotto pick. Um, then I felt, then I remembered he got drafted by the Suns. <laughs> well, when you think about it, I mean, when you listen to what the draft analysis, it's like the, all of those lottery picks, like they were drafting shooters, like shooting has become, I feel more important than raw physicality at this point. Like if you are a knockdown shooter in college, like I feel like you have a really good chance of getting drafted. Yeah. To talk about Nas a little, we can transition like Tyler Hero went before Nas. Uh, right. Jumo Kiki went before Nas. Uh, Grant Williams, Ty Jerome both went before Nas. Shot makers, good three-point shooters. Nikhil Alexander-Walker. DeAndre Hunter, his whole game is like pull up from mid-range. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> these these are shot makers and good shooters. And they're, they're, I feel like they're at a premium right now, especially the way the NBA has gone with the Golden States um, of the world. Um and basketball has kind of turned into this whole thing where it's a point guard and four roaming positions. Like I feel like it's this whole positionless basketball. The only position you really have now is point guard and everything else is six, five to six, nine basketball player. <laughs> yeah. But 
we're starting to see like the I would say it's a point guard, three positionless wing players, and then a center. And most of the time that center is like pretty good in the pick and roll. Yeah, like, and the, I, the, I feel like some of them are moving to the undersized like six nine, six ten centers who can shoot the ball. Kind of more like an Anthony Davis. By the way, how is Anthony Davis not a center? <laughs> I mean, he, he plays best when he's at the five. He He's in one of those situations where, like, KD is seven feet tall and doesn't want to be doesn't want to be a power forward or a center. But he he really does play the best when he is like when he's the anchor. But I think with how teams are playing offense, the pick and roll a center like Joel Embiid is going to be where this goes. And I'm of the belief that it's swung like the NBA has swung so far in the in the direction of small ball shooting that I feel like eventually it's going to swing back into um, like physical centers. Like I feel like it's going to swing back at some point just because it's going to go so small ball that I feel like there's going to be those dominant centers that come back again and just eat in the paint in the paint um, with shooters around them. That's just my belief. Like it's going to go back to like I was thinking about I think somebody posted about Shaq and how he said that he wouldn't have developed a three point game uh, in this era because he would have, quote unquote, eaten inside barbecue chicken. Um, Barbecue chicken alert. Barbecue chicken alert. And I kind of agree with him. It's like, why would I bother with a three point shot if I can go inside? If I have shooters like imagine if Shaq was on Golden State, would you want him on the perimeter? No. Like you want him getting collapsed on the inside so we could kick it out to open shooters. And I feel like that's kind of what's going to happen again. I feel like it's going to swing back and we're going to have those traditional centers that are good passers uh, come back into the NBA. Yeah, but that prime Shaq would have been like that hyper athletic 7-2 Shaq would have eaten in the pick and roll. Like if you right, would have exactly. put him on the Warriors, like it would have been so unfair. Yeah, exactly. So unfair. And yeah, the pick and roll is is definitely the big the move, quote unquote. And you saw you saw it with uh, Toronto. I mean, you saw it. I mean, they could not stop the pick and roll with Toronto when Marcus All and Serge Ibaka were going in there eating in the paint. They when when they were running that pick and roll with uh, Kyle Lowry. I mean, he was just finding the open the open big, which everyone was open. Sorry, not speaking into the mic, which everyone was open uh, because they were doubling in the post. Right, like, exactly. Literally every time. Yeah, exactly. But they had to because they didn't have a big, a reliable big that could defend like that. So, exactly. I don't know. It, it depends on what you want to do. I think both versions have been proven to work. I don't subscribe to the idea that you can't win with a, with a, a true center, which I yeah. feel like some teams subscribe to that that way of thinking there is still value in the true center for sure yep now i can see like two wing players and a guard being more of that positionless but i do think the value of a center is is real is um like you can't replace the value of a solid center but speaking of centers uh, we should talk about like the two big draft slides which are nasir little and bowl bowl yeah, 100%. So, 
so in essence, I mean, Cam Johnson and um, Cam Johnson and Nas Little switched Switch places. Places. And you know, when I was looking through, when we got to the Wizards, I mean, everything that I had seen online, which I realized that you can't believe everything you see online, but like at like through all the draft analysis, it looked like the Wizards were really honed in on Nas Little. And nice only, Loge language right there. Honed in, focused. <laughs> honed in, on focused. Um, but they were honed in on him, and they picked Rui Hachimura, which is fine until you realize that they had never spoken to nor worked out Rui Hachimura beforehand. Did y'all know that? I, I saw that. that. They had. They did not speak to him in the draft process. And they did not work him out at the Wizards facility during the draft process. So he was I, apparently just as surprised as everyone else was. So, you know, but I just felt I felt bad. I felt really bad for Nas um, just to be invited to the green room and, and slide is not fun. Especially when you're projected. I mean, all these projections were top 10, top at least the lottery pick. Those were his projections. And, you know, it's like I said, you know, shooters were at a premium and he's not a shooter yet. He's raw. He's really physical. He's got good uh, vertical, but he's not quite refined yet. So, yeah, it's kind of disappointing because we he was trending up like we've talked about this. Yeah, He, he was trending up and he got hurt. Right when he was like in those grinded out games in the middle of the ACC season where he didn't get to have that. When he came back, like Nas was the best player on the team during our three games in the tournament. Uh, yeah, I, like, I clearly he, remember that. He was by far the best player out there. And I wish that teams would have gotten to see him play at that level for longer. And it's it's just it's unfortunate. He has good body control. He's really physical. He's strong already. His shot's not broken. It's not like they can't fix it. It's not like they can't make something of it. It's not like he has a broken jump shot like Michael Kid Gilchrist. Like they can work with it. So I don't. I don't quite understand. And as you were watching the draft analysis, they were like, "I I don't really know why he's sliding. This is kind of ridiculous." I just felt bad because they kept also panning towards him. And I know, I'm not sure, like, if it's a big camera like normal or what kind of thing, or if it's like a drone sort of thing. I know he probably felt that camera on him. And, like, it was oh, 100%. a little embarrassing. It's, at, at to see him and, his, him and his family and his agent. Like, his agent was, like, on his laptop, like, scrambling to figure out what was happening. <laughs> but, and I tweeted this out, is, like, if it had to be this way, at least he went to a very solid team in the Portland Trailblazers. He's going to play alongside Damian Lillard, uh, McCollum. He's going to play alongside Enos Cantor. They Yurkic. have a solid squad that's going to be able to have a lot of veterans to put around him and to encourage him to become a better player. Come off the bench and provide solid minutes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So hopefully he gets a shot. Um, when you, If you would have told me that he would have got drafted around the same position that Bryce Johnson got drafted – like I would have been, I would have called you crazy because I feel like his upside as a like so young and his upside, I feel like it outweighed everything else. But I guess I mean I don't know. 
I feel like he got bad info or was not spoken to truthfully. Yeah. In some way, like something had to happen. You don't just go in expecting to get drafted that high and then something else completely different happens. Something Speaking had to happen. Speaking of which, Bull Bull sliding out of the first round um, down to 44 to go to the Nuggets. Yeah, I mean, shoot. So mad because I wanted Dallas to take him at 45. I was so upset. At that point, why not? Like, yeah. just grab him if he doesn't work out. He was a second-round pick. Like, it's okay. <laughs> it's not like he's, you know, took that much of a chance on him. And he was another one where it kept panning to him, too. I don't know if you know, like, when he got drafted, he was not happy. Like, not even a sense of relief, I don't saw. Like, his his face, he could just tell he was very dejected. And even in that interview post, like, and they're like, well, the crowd let out a uh, big roar for you. He's like, I didn't know I had that many fans. And I, I was th- like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it hurt a little bit. I, I, the thing about Bull Bull, I think that I just kept hearing, which is true. Like, when he was at Oregon, he had foot problems. When you're that big, yeah, I mean. And when you're that big and you have foot problems, like, that's just, like, screaming Greg Oden, which I... By the way, I was watching the Big Three today, the three-on-three basketball league. Greg Oden. Playing He's in playing three. in there? Nice. Good for yeah. him. Uh, got a little twist in his hair. <laughs> He's but, got a little uh, twist. <laughs> yeah, it's just not something that you want to hear uh, when, you, when you're talking about drafting a seven-footer. But I did not expect him to slide all the way out of the first round. Because the ceiling and the potential is, is the roof. Is the roof. Like... He's he's seven seven. Um, uh, he had a astronomical three point percentage for a kid of his size, like his dad. Um, even Manute Bull at seven seven had a really nice three point game. He had seven Nothing. and a half or something like that. Yeah. I remember. So I, I that was very shocking. And again, it's also you have to think of it from a, a money perspective. You're going from what would was a guaranteed contract to now partially to non guaranteed. And then you go all the way back to like the whole thing with Cam and Nas. The difference of those contracts is basically like double. So Cam made double what he was projected. Nas made half of what he was going to be projected. And that's also a big thing too with contracts. Yeah. And it's all, but you know, at the same time, it's like a little bit of a trade off, you know, because Cam Johnson's going to a, a, a franchise that is not that great. And, you know, you got Nas who's going to a playoff contender. So it's the it's, it's the trade off, mm-hmm. and the, well, with the hope that he'll find a roster though, spot. Because of his age, though, they're still criticizing him. Like they were quick to point out that he's five months older than Devin Booker as a rookie, who's been in the league five years already. But he's got. But the thing is, though, that I feel like Cam Johnson is. I feel like the only question with Cam Johnson is durability. If he gets on the floor, I feel like he's going to make an impact on an NBA team just for the straight fact that he's six nine and he can shoot lights out like i don't remember a game that he shot poorly do you y'all y'all know what i'm saying like i i feel like that i don't translate. remember a game where i was like okay cam stop shooting yeah exactly yeah but uh that's a, that's what i think about the draft it was i'll give it to it it was more entertaining than i thought it would be and then all we the crying some, all the crying man lots of love that's love, bro. That's that's love, bro. Kobe White became a meme <laughs> yesterday 
<laughs> I've seen that gif a couple times. The wow, wow, wow. Oh, <laughs> that that was so heartfelt, man. It um, really was. There's that. I love Kobe, man. <laughs> I love Kobe so much. Yeah, man. You got that. You got Zion, Zion crying, talking about his mother. You got RJ crying with his dad next to him, which, by the way, John Morant's dad was like, he was the he was the winner of the draft. He was pimping, bro. <laughs> he looked good. Um, you got Thibule. Y'all remember Thibule from Washington? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He got drafted. He's his mom. His by the way, don't agree with it. Don't like it about them asking them about their dead parents. Don't really like yeah, it. Yeah, lots about of it. dead parents questions. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Like their happiest moment. It's like. So how do you think your dead parent would feel? Like, Tell me about come the on. worst day of your life. Like, come on. But it was a touching moment. Y'all ready to move on? Uh, very quickly, Luke May signed with the Bucks. Yep. And Kenny to the Spurs. Kenny to the. That is a perfect organization for Kenny Williams. Like Kenny Williams screams Spurs to me. Like good, great, great defense, and a, a three point shot. That is, I, I feel like serviceable is a dis, is a disservice to his three point shot. I feel like he just never found it, really, that his senior year. But y'all y'all remember when he was like mur- murdering Duke last year, right? Yes, so six threes, like, right? So it's there, and they just need to tell Luke every game that he's about to play NC State, and they'll be fine. Yeah, the bull runs go up. <laughs> He will he will be rookie of the year if he just plays every game like he's playing state. But yes, hey, remember but, the um, or or were y'all did y'all have anything else about the draft? No, remember we got no. awards tomorrow. Is that, is that tomorrow? I don't care. Nobody don't cares care. anymore. But Nobody cares be, anymore. You're Roddy, which is Luca. Um, well, why is it like this? I feel like it was different in years past. Like, the MVP was, like, before the playoff. It was, and then they said, hey, we can make an award show and put it on TV and make money. That's literally what they're doing. That's the only reason. Yeah, because, I mean, I feel like at this point, well after the fact, not only does it really not really do anything, it's just placeholder kind of stuff. But, yeah, I don't feel really interested. I completely forgot that that's tomorrow. If I wasn't a Luka Doncic fan, I wouldn't have known. I'm not going to watch out of protest. I'm sure they'll feel it. Mm. All right. World Cup. The U.S. women's national team won their group. They beat Sweden, and their prize for beating Sweden is if they win tomorrow, Monday, uh, they get to play France in France. Fun. Yeah, the, um, the the tournament, the brackets are not very balanced, it seems. In this game, if if the women win tomorrow, the U.S.-France game could be the decider of the World Cup. But you don't want to look past tomorrow. Who are they playing tomorrow? Spain. Spain, yes, they're playing Spain tomorrow. Not looking past the team, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> um We've only yeah. played them once, and it was in January. In in the World Cup history, or like women's soccer history, yeah, which is interesting, which is surprising, honestly. But we will see how that goes. Uh, the France Brazil game today was actually really good, and went into extra time. And France hit the game winner 
uh, late in the second half of extra time. So it's been a good tournament. The VAR has been wild. It's just... I am all for getting calls right. I feel like this goes for any sport. It's just that VAR feels exceptionally bad. But that's just from me watching it. I don't know. I would be lying if I told you I had been watching religiously. So I'm not quite sure what you mean. Like, is it like that they're getting calls wrong or is it just so blatant that it's, or is it, is it like, when you got it's, the uh, the NBA replay or the college replay where it takes like 10 years. It's the latter. There's that. And then there's the so the rule for the thing I was specifically thinking about was penalty kicks. And the rule for penalty kicks for keepers is that you have to keep at least one foot on the line until they kick the ball. Now that they have VAR, they decided to make that reviewable this year. Ooh. And pretty much every keeper does it like they all do. And they were just like yellows for keepers going out left and right for them coming off their line early. And they realized that was going to be a problem when you get to the knockout stage and penalty kicks can decide a game and figure out if you're going on to the next round. Right. So they had to like change the rules and say that (laughs) you won't like the keeper won't get sent off if they get, if they come off their line early in penalty kicks. Interesting. Yeah, so it's just been a lot happening. It's been very often and kind of breaks the flow of the game. But I don't know. Who are me to say what the best way to judge soccer is? Who are I? Shall we jump into E3? Let's just Time for content. jump into it. David, you are the our leading analyst reporter correspondent on e3 so (laughs) yeah so lots of cool things i feel like this was a like i don't want to say it's uneventful but it kind of felt like there wasn't anything crazy like every e3 there's always something crazy that happens and i feel like there wasn't anything crazy and i don't know if that's because um sony um this was the first year in like 25 30 years that sony um, wasn't at E3 this year. They're having their own conference slash already had their conference conference question mark. Um, not quite sure, but they're doing it differently. And Sony was not at E3 this year. Um, but regardless, there's some, always games that I'm really excited for, release dates that I'm excited for, surprises that I'm really excited for. Um, to start off, uh, Elden Ring. New game by From Software, who are the maker of Dark Souls, Bloodborne, and um, Sekiro, uh, Shadows Die Twice. Um, so if y'all played any of those, uh, I'm sorry. I have not. I'm sorry. If you haven't, <laughs> stay away. I love them, but they bring out a kind of rage in me that I've never seen before. Uh, so just if you don't haven't played it, <laughs> you don't want to lose a blood vessel or pop one. Are they hard or uh, they're like, hard, <laughs> like really yeah. hard? You said Dark Souls, right? Dark Souls, yeah. Dark Souls, Souls is the one where the dude had to use cheat codes to win, right? I don't even know if there are cheat codes. <laughs> are there cheat so codes I, for it? <laughs> I thought there was something where, like, to kill the final boss, this guy actually discovered a cheat code and used it to beat him. And people were like, "Oh, see, you shouldn't use cheat codes." See, the thing about the thing about from software games is that 
everything is in play. If you find something, if you find a way to cheese a boss or an enemy, nobody's going to judge you because everything is so freaking hard that it's like if you find something, they're like, all right, good on you. <laughs> like you found it. Yeah, someone made a point like if you're in like a single player like scenario where you're not affecting other players, you're just playing against the computer. Right. And cheat. Treat exactly right and those are all single quote-unquote singer player games with multiplayer aspects that are available to you if you would like um so it's more Which, of um like a cooperative thing where you can leave notes for other players to give them advice mm-hmm. or help them or mislead them um there's the, there's that too that's happened before um and then if you have online accessibility you can be invaded by another player or you can invade another player's um game slash uh be summoned as a spirit to help them i don't know if that's the same case in sekido but it is in dark souls and bloodborne just one quick thing before you keep going uh with the elden rings there is uh because you know i have to talk about some video essay every episode there is a really ah. good one on dark souls 2 speed runs by h bomber guy so if oh, I know H-Bomber guy, hey. Yeah, he did a video about uh, Dark Souls 2, I think it's Dark Souls 2 speedruns, and you should watch them to see how yeah. people cheese those bosses. Watch that video, it's a good video. Yeah. It makes good stuff. I've beaten Dark Souls 1, and for anybody that's played Dark Souls, yes, I have beaten Dark Souls 1, uh, like, final boss. Um, and then um, I tried Dark Souls 2, and I put it down, and I never picked it back up, and then I got a really good bit into bloodborne um and i did pick that one up again and i have not tried sekiro but um yeah elden ring so it's a collaboration between hedetaka miyazaki um who is the creative direct director of all the soulsborne games and uh george rr R. martin writer of the uh song of ice and fire and as soon as I saw that it was a collaborate or a collaborative effort, I was immediately thinking about Game of Thrones fans who are probably pissed that George R. R. Martin's not writing uh, and is instead <laughs> working on instead he is working on a video game instead of Winds of Winter. So, yeah. So that was the first kind of exciting thing. I saw the trailer. Looks very um it reminds me a little bit of World of Warcraft, just a little bit with how everything is kind of looking as far as like an art style, um, which I'm a fan of. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'll probably take a look at it, buy it, be frustrated. And yeah, <laughs> I go back and forth on RPGs because like I play like Kingdom Hearts. Like that's my that's right. my go to like action RPGs, RPGs. not cor- like a true yeah rpg where you're like picking like all this like the stats stuff pretty much is what you're saying i have not picked up a witcher i have not picked up oh uh, dude oh dude come on i know (laughs) dude all right if i know i just said i was just kind of you know not crapping on rpgs but like i understand the frustration but the witcher is like high key my favorite game ever like you have to play it (laughs) i know i know and like i haven't picked up the um dragon scrolls yeah is that what they're called dragon, dragon scrolls age? or dragon age dragon age dragon yes. age i haven't picked up any of those even though everyone tells me i would love skyrim and i probably would i just haven't picked it up oh wait are, are you talking about the elder scrolls elder scrolls elder scrolls I mean. <laughs> dragon age is also an rpg 
they're all the same. Dragon Age. I- <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh no! Oh, oh that hurt my soul just words. a little bit, Coley. <laughs> Final Fantasy and uh, Kingdom Hearts, the same game, right? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about Final Fantasy in a second. Just in a second, yes. Uh, but yeah, so Elden Ring, excited, yes. Uh, on next, I feel like the game of the conference was Cyber Cyberpunk 2077. Yes. Um, this game has been hyped for years, like four or five years. Uh, this is CD. Uh, I always say CD Project Red, but I know it's Polis, so it's like Project Red or something. Um, but yeah, so CD Project Red, same makers of the Witcher games, Colby, um, made the Witcher games. Favorite game of all time, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. I love those dragon scrolls. Best best DLC I've ever played in a game ever, straight up. I have heard that. Uh, they they do DLC correctly. Like They're the only company that's done DLC that hasn't pissed me off about it. Um, so I'm, they've, I feel like CD Projekt Red has built up so much good faith with their fan base and gamers all around the world that I feel like whatever their next project would have been, everyone would have been excited. It just so happens to be that this game looks phenomenal. And everyone who's played Early Access, everyone who's seen trailers, anyone who's heard about it has been just super hyped for it and like heaping praises on it. Um, graphics look great. The world building looks great. Um, the storytelling looks great. And Keanu Reeves is in this game. And I have no idea how they kept that secret for like five years. <laughs> So, True. and he walked out and gave the best quote ever. You're breathtaking. <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> he was he, he was on stage and he was talking about um, the world and how playing in it. And he's like, "Yeah, you know, playing through it is just breathtaking." And somebody from the crowd yells, "You're breathtaking!" <laughs> and <laughs> in t- like Keanu Reeves fashion, he like I don't know if y'all have seen interviews with Keanu Reeves, but he's bad at taking compliments like he's just like ah shucks like no no nah. he does that thing when you give someone a uh compliment and they just start awkwardly posing yeah exactly and so he <laughs> so he someone said you're breathtaking from the crowd and then he's like laughing he's like you're breathtaking and then he goes you're all breathtaking and it's hilarious i love it and it's turned into a meme um so yeah i'm excited for keanu reeves to be robot man in cyberpunk 2077 i'm super excited it's gonna be awesome so yeah, I don't know how much y'all have heard about it, but I'm excited. Uh, all I've heard is the Keanu of it all. <laughs> yes, <clears throat> but I feel I, like that, I feel like that's the least exciting part, though, which is crazy because I feel like the actual game is going to be ridiculously good. Yeah, that should come out in April of next year. That's normally a slow time for games for me. I'll pick it up. It's like yeah, like March or April. Um, so yeah. That's that. Um, next, Final Fantasy Seven. Final Fantasy Seven, the good old FF Seven. Um, I was one of those people that did not grow up with Final Fantasy Seven. I never had a PS One. I stri- I went from the Sega Genesis right to the PS Two. <clears throat> so I skipped the whole PS One era, um, just a little bit. Uh, my cousin had a PS One that I would go over and play sometimes, but other than that, I didn't own one. So I missed the. <laughs> one game being on three discs thing with PS1. <clears throat> so, you know, Final Fantasy VII is like the first JRPG that became really westernized and became popular with the U.S. 
So it means a lot to a lot of people. So, uh, you know, when they were showing this at E3, it was a big deal because, you know, you get new trailers. Everyone's hyped for this. They don't know how they're going to deal with the combat because the original combat was turn-based. For people who don't know what turn-based combat is, oh my god, it's Pokemon. Turn-based combat is like Pokemon. They go, you go, they go, you go. Um, And it's based on stats, uh, like speed stats, uh, evasion, strength, etc., etc. And that's how that works. Um, so they were like, how, I don't know how they're going to do this, you know, action RPG game when it was originally, uh, turn-based. And so they kind of showed off gameplay and they showed that it's a mix between, um, action, like, but like kind of a mixture between a hack and slash and, a uh, not really turn-based, but like tactical game where you build up a meter and then you hit a button and everything kind of slows down. Like, have y'all played fallout before? Yes. So it's kind of like the VAT system Vats, just a okay. little, it's like VATS, yep. um, where it slows down. You can kind of tactically plan out what you're going to do next. You can use magic. You can heal yourself. You can do all this other stuff once you build up that meter. Um, so it's really interesting and I really liked how it looked. Um, the characters are iconic. They showed off, um, Aerith and they showed off cloud and they showed off Barrett. Um, and all that stuff. And for those of you that don't know, I, well, I played Final Fantasy VII eventually. I played it. It was on the PS4 store free on the PSN store. And so I downloaded it and played through it. Uh, and it's fantastic. If not, it's just about as convoluted as uh, as Kingdom Hearts is. But it's, you know. <laughs> it's, it, that's the JRPG I still love it. thing. Yeah, it's it's, I feel, it's same company. It's a Square Enix thing. Um, I yeah, am so. interested in Final Fantasy VII. I so <laughs> funny story. I feel like all like the olds that are going to listen to this are going to like crucify me. Whatever. I'm you a said the, gamer. the olds. The olds. Um, crucify me. I don't care. Uh, my at is at Colby complains. <laughs> Go ahead and jump in my mentions. So for a large part portion of my life, I thought I had played Final Fantasy VII, but I had not because we had a PlayStation One. I, my household, we were a Sony house. You were a Sony house. In this <laughs> we house, Sony we play house. Sony. <laughs> uh, I thought I had played fa- Final Fantasy VII. Uh, it was not. It was a game called Pandemonium. Pandemonium. <laughs> Very much not Final Fantasy VII. I thought you were tell me you played like Final Fantasy VIII or like. Something oh, else. No. <laughs> Very different games. Not even the same publisher. How did you uh, think that that was? I don't know. I just saw like two screenshots. I was like, oh, that's the same game. And I was also like five when I was playing this game. So I didn't really know any better. It's okay. But, I, uh, I wanted Final Fantasy 8 or 9. Um, and my parents were like, Haha, nah, and they got me Kingdom Hearts. And I was pissed. And then I loved Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> but for those of you who don't know, Pandemonium is not final fantasy 7 it is, it is a square enix game though or a square enix europe wow anyway i don't i don't even know what pandemonium is like i've never it's, heard uh, of it. let me read the um a brief synopsis pandemonium features fargus a joker and nikki a sorceress who unwittingly casts a spell that destroys the town the goal of the game is to we is to reach the wishing engine where they can wish the town back to normal huh I don't know why I thought that was Final Fantasy VII, but I've never played it, so I want to play it. And I am kind of intimidated by role place role uh, role place games, turn based games, and I I've never really. So with my experience with Pokemon, like I've played plenty of Pokemans, 
but I always kind of get bored with them because I don't love turn-based games. It's the same reason I never got through whichever Kingdom Hearts is the card-based one. Oh, that one just sucked, though. <laughs> You're talking about Chain of Memories. That one just sucked. Yeah, it's the second Kingdom Hearts game. It's the same reason I never finished it. Uh, so I just never have been in love with them, but this one is a real time action. I'll give it a try. Yes, it's real time. If you've played any, well, I'm assuming if you didn't play Final Fantasy VII, you haven't played Final Fantasy XV. Um, no, yeah, so it's like it's in the same vein as Final Fantasy XV, where it's more live action. Or, sorry, not live action, but um, like action RPG. But not. I feel bad saying button mashing because that's a disservice. But it is kind of button mashing, like think Kingdom Hearts, pretty much. Yeah. So where it's still tactical and you still have to think about what you're doing. It's not a hack and slash, but it's, you know, lots of pressing at uh, square. Oh, I will turn any game into a hack and slash. <laughs> and just watch Are me. you one of those players? <laughs> just watch me. Breath of the Wild 2. Yes. As. So I, I bought a Nintendo Switch this year for myself after getting hired for teaching because I was like, you know what? I'm going to treat myself. You know, I feel good. I have a job. I'm going to treat myself, so I bought myself a Switch, and the first game I bought with it was um, A Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. If you've not played it, one of the best games ever made. Beautiful. Mwah. Work of art. Amazing. I haven't played a game like that like so intensely in a long since The Witcher 3 came out in 2015, so it, was, it had been a while. Um, so the thing about Zelda, or The Legend of Zelda is that there has not been a direct sequel to a Legend of Zelda game since um, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, which are two of the most iconic games in the franchise. Those are the, That's the only direct sequel there's ever been in that I know of uh, that has happened in the Legend of Zelda series. So when people saw the trailer for the first time. They were dropping the trailer. They were dropping hints like, this is Legend of Zelda. It's the same engine. Here's Zelda. Here's Link. They're, they're exploring. Everyone was like, oh, this is a DLC because Breath of the Wild had been releasing lots and lots of DLC for it, which are, are also fantastic. And so ever, nobody believed that there was going to be a direct sequel. And then the screen fades to black and it says the sequel to Breath of the Wild will release or is now in development. And everybody went wild because that's crazy to everybody. And, a, and I was reading up on it, and apparently the staff over at Nintendo had so many DLC ideas that they were just like, you know, we should just like make another game. <laughs> and I'm like, sure, I'll take it. I'll, <laughs> I'll hand you my money. So, yeah, that's how that kind of came about. <clears throat> uh, like I said, we were a Sony house, so I did not get much into the nintendo games but i'm happy for y'all that get a game right yeah like i never played ocarina of time or majora's mask and i really hope that they remake it for or uh either remake it or remaster it for the switch so i can play them um but i just know that those are legendary i played wind waker that's the only one i've played Mm -hmm. other than before breath of the wild i played wind waker um Uh, i don't i don't know about you that David and Maeve is what I was gonna say. David and Maeve. I am really struggling. It's not. It's like seven o'clock. Like it's not even. It's not even I can't even late. make the excuse that it's late. Uh, I have not played. I've been like intimidated, even when I have like a Nintendo systems to play Zelda because I hate puzzles, and I know like there's just I would get so frustrated. <laughs> That's fair. You, you don't. You don't like puzzle solving games. 
I do not. <sighs> like I played Portal for five minutes oh, and never touched. Oh, I game. love Portal and Portal Two. <laughs> oh, Kobe, no. <laughs> I know, but we it's need okay. to move on. This is a good. Thank you, David. That was a very good E three. Yeah, and there was more. I just I'm I'm failing. There. Oh, Halo. Duh. They 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 yeah, dropped Halo a Halo Infinite. Halo Infinite, which I've lost interest in the Halo series. I feel like Halo three was the pinnacle, and ever since then, since three four three Industries took over, it's not quite been up to snuff. But who knows? This looks like a soft reboot of the franchise. So who knows? Like I said, Sony boat, Sony boy. Are there? And I, I yeah, it sucks because all of the Sony, like there was no Sony at this conference. <laughs> literally nothing. Um, I know that there's going to be a Kingdom Hearts DLC that's coming out right. this winter. Yes, there is, and it's supposed to have like important story beats, which some people weren't happy with. But I, I haven't really formed my opinion on it yet. Like. This is the thing that they did with Evil Within, which is also a Square Enix game, where it's like the quote-unquote real ending was behind DLC and everyone was pissed. But I feel like they gave us a real ending. I feel like they're just giving us more more story, stuff. more stuff, yeah. more stuff. But do you know what was in Kingdom Hearts? What? Toy Story 4, which... <laughs> That's a great, great segue. Toy Story 4, or Kingdom Hearts, is canon... For Toy Story Four, did y'all see the um, Kingdom Hearts reference in the uh, in the game? Oh, was the oh no 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 wait 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 it was the Dino the Dino thing right? Yeah, the lunchbox. Yeah, thing, the lunchbox the with the with the uh, Dino Warrior thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're about to talk about Toy Story Four. So if y'all haven't seen it, let's. We're, I just want to do, do this like all the way, all the way. So if you haven't seen it, go ahead and scoot all in and out of there. Um, like and subscribe, ring the bell. I think. This, I think this is, the, is this the first time we're doing a review of a movie that we've all seen? I it, think so. Other than Star Wars, other than Star yeah. Wars, than Star Wars. That, we saw <laughs> that all together. Jedi. We saw it together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Maverick, what did you think of uh, Toy Story Four? Um, I, I put out a little bit of synopsis or like my little summary on Twitter just to go over it. Um, I think it's very much on par with the previous three films in the franchise. Um, I still, I might be in the camp with many that would say like, I don't, I still don't think it was necessary for a fourth one. I thought the third film brought a really nice and fulfilling conclusion to the trilogy. But if you're going to make a fourth film, this was a good one to make. Um, you know, it brought back a lot. It's, it has all the same magic of the previous films. It's definitely, I would still consider a very much more lighthearted than the third film. The third film got dark, was very dark. This one Agreed. is just a lot more light-footed, even in its, even with dealing with the quote-unquote antagonist. It, there's still a lightness to it, even so, though, because of the themes. We'll get um, to that antagonist, uh, like, David. Very oh, sorry, but um, I mean, I loved it. It's I we mentioned this back when we did that whole tournament um, with like Disney Pixar movies. Toy Story is my favorite Disney Pixar series of all time. Um, I think it's one of the greatest, you know, animated series of all time, and so I, this is a great addition to that. And I feel, and weirdly enough, I think this is more of an end than the third one is. I don't quite agree with that sentiment, but tell uh, us what you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was look, I was watching it, and I was thinking, you know, 
this wasn't necessary, but it definitely subverted my expectations of, you know, we've had those series that have sequels that we all feel are unnecessary. Like when you feel like something is good in and of itself, like I felt Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 is up there top three trilogies of all time as far as consistency. Uh, as far as, sorry, consistency and quality of the films. Like, I enjoy one, I enjoy two, I enjoy three, and I could watch any one of them at any point in time and still and enjoy watching them. So I was like, why would you potentially, you know, ruin it all with a Toy Story 4 after such a perfect ending in Toy Story 3? So I was a little bit, not a little bit, I was a lot skeptical um but you know i'm happy to say that as i was watching it i was enjoying myself um it was good it was heart it was it was had a lot of heart in it it had good morals um it had keanu reeves my husband um so yeah i mean it had a lot of things that i really liked if i was gonna rank all four of the movies i would put it at the bottom just because personally it's not my favorite one and maybe that'll come with time i literally just came out of the theater today um but it's really solid. Like I would recommend it. I would go watch it again. I would buy it. I would watch it on Netflix if it was on there or I guess Disney plus, um, now. So yeah, I liked it. I just don't, I don't think one, maybe it's me feeling like it wasn't necessary, but I liked it. It just, I it would probably be of the four movies. It would be at the bottom of my list. Like for me, it goes toy story Four. Toy Story, uh, the original Toy Story, Toy Story 3, and then Toy Story 2 is at the top for me. So for me, I I like Toy Story. I do. I like the franchise. It's a good franchise. I don't hold it in as high regard as others, I don't think. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's a very, very good, very consistent, very enjoyable series. Mm -hmm. I just, I never had that connection with Toy Story. That's all right. Yeah, that's fair. Just like I don't watch Avatar. I mean, we have our differences. Right, yeah. Everyone has different Wait, tastes. Wait, but I've seen all of Toy Story. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, 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 you tried to slip that in there. <laughs> no, 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 no. You need to watch Avatar The Last Airbender because it's flawless. It's, um, it's <laughs> chef's kiss. Perfect. But I, I try not to get into, like, necessary... Or I'm trying to get away from necessary when I think about movies because none of it's necessary. It's all fiction. Right. But, like, if we want to talk about unnecessary sequels, why are there five Ice Age movies? Like, we (laughs) we don't need five Ice Ages. I think that this was a really entertaining movie. I thought that it had lots of jokes. The Like we said, this is full spoilers. Uh, Forky trying to throw himself into the trash. Oh yeah, I was dying, dude. I was dying. Trash, trash, trash. I think it's basically like he's basically a metaphor for like some people in the world like thinking that they're trash. Like, like I'm trash. <laughs> like, yeah, we're it's, all trash. it's warm and cozy. <laughs> and then you have your friends that tell you you're not trash. But I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought. That the the ending so this is not as like emotionally like gut wrenching as the as the third Toy Story, 
Uh, I do think I'm a little bit more sensitive to like leaving your friends' stories now that I've left college. I think that's a little <laughs> bit more real for me. So like it that don't was remind like, us. I like the a little emotional gut punch, but I thought like from start to finish, like it had me like the entire time. The m- middle third of this movie where it turned into Get Out, I thought was, was interesting. I am surprised at like I like Carla and I were the only people in the theater like jumping, and all the children were just chilling the entire time. <laughs> no, all the children were talking to mine. I was just like, oh, my theater was good. Up. The the kids in mind, like they were a little chatty, but they were like talking about the movie, so it was cute. Yeah, well, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But when like crying and everything, I'm like, mm. bon- Bonnie's adorable, by the way. Yes, yeah, Bonnie, Bonnie as a character is freaking adorable. Um, no, I mean, like on a side note, I have a thing against puppets, like ventriloquist puppets. Like I think they're terrifying. And I feel like most people do, but like just specifically ventriloquist puppets, they scare the crap out of me. Like they just, they make me feel uneasy. So that whole section where they, you know, basically all the ventriloquist puppets are the goons or whatever. And they're trying to like (laughs) capture Woody and, and Bo Peep and everything. And they're like jumping out of the corner. I was like, this is making me really uncomfortable. But like, (laughs) I don't even have like a thing with puppets. That was just really freaky. They're just terrifying. But uh, I think the the antagonist's motives were fine. Uh, I, it was enough to get, like keep me engaged. I don't know why she resorted to violence so quickly, but <laughs> she like I'm immediately went to like antagonist. Immediately, she was went, waiting for the moment. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, but she's waiting for one to walk close to her so she can get her hands on that voice box. Bro, she saw that that string and she was like, <laughs> "Oh, it's over. <laughs> get in this carriage, boy." <laughs> Um, yeah, like, yeah, you know, as I think about it, it's like, I I get it. It's not like as a film, I enjoyed it. I recommend it. I would buy it. I would watch it again, but I'm in the prisoner of the whole like overarching series. Like I'm thinking like I'm doing the thing that I shouldn't do where I'm trying to put it in to context historically or in the bigger picture. Um, I think when it's something's in a series like that, it's fine to like put it into context with the other movies. I think that. This one, though, is about as separated from the from the other movies as you can get. Like, I think you can pick up enough. Like, if you've never seen a Toy Story. Oh, like, yeah. You can, you can pick it up enough to like, okay, what do you used to have a kid who was Andy who went grown up and gave his toys to Bonnie. And now he's kind of having a crisis over that. I think it helps to see the other movies. But I think this very this holds up on its own very well. Yeah, it does. And for someone who has watched the movies, you can, you know, find all the little kind of things that connect everything together. Yeah. I'll, it's not necessarily like a, I, don't, I wouldn't call it an Easter egg or anything, but when uh, Woody met up with Bo Peep, they had, she had her sheep with them. Uh, she had the little like miniature thing. And then they had combat Carl. If you don't remember combat Carl, was the specific doll that Sid blew up at the beginning of the first movie. Oh, I literally that. watched Toy Story a couple days ago, and I did not remember that. So tying all these different brands back, because they go to a Dynaco, they have that Pizza Planet truck. Like, tying in all the brands like that, it's still they still do a good bit of Easter eggs and stuff. I, immediately when I saw Combat Carl, I'm like, 
I just remember them looking out the window like, it's a combat Carl. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, that's what Sid blew up. Good catch, because I that's, did. That's a great catch. That flew right by me. As far as, like, the rest of the series, I, like, personally, I feel like Toy Story is the weakest. Oh, the first, would, you saying the first one? Yeah, I'd probably go three, two, four, one. I just I can agree. This one, I, I can agree with that. Yeah, this one was a, like <laughs> a lot more fun. Like, like as far as like pure fun, like this one that this is that. I can. Uh, I feel like three and two for me can like switch between the top spot for me. Uh, they kind of it depends on the day for me. Yeah. I I I'm one of those. I actually I think the original is my favorite. I don't. I just like the. It's just classic. I think that's the classic factor. Is what puts it over the top. I mean, I, I mean, I would probably put it in sequential order in terms of my favorites. One is the best, second, second best, third is third best. This one's fourth. But like I said, they're still far and above a lot of films in my eyes. Like just in my ter- personal rankings, not necessarily if they're better or not. Um, so I still enjoy them. The worst among them is naturally the worst, but it, they're still a good movie overall. Yeah, anything else with Toy Story? I think, like, yeah, it's a good movie. Go see yeah. Toy Story. Like, go see it's it. a, or I feel like you've seen it. If you're still listening to this and you haven't seen Toy Story, go see Toy Story. Yeah, it's good. A lot of new characters and old. You have Key and Peele's characters. You have Ducky and, um, was it Fluffy or whatnot? I thought they stole the show. They were my two favorite of the new characters. <laughs> they were funny. They were pretty funny. You have Keanu Reeves as Duke Kaboom. He, he's got a nice <laughs> bringing back. Oh yes, heat. oh yes, we Canada. Yes, is um, it Rajon? 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 <laughs> this is for you, Rajon. <laughs> 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 um, that was good. I thought the cat was really accurate. <laughs> also, really well animated. Like holy, like I was like, holy crap, that looks like a real cat. Yeah, the movie was beautiful. Like it, it looked really like. Especially watching the first Toy Story earlier this week that came out in 95, I believe. Yes. Uh, this one, uh, Night and Day. I, lo- I loved when I watched and you saw Woody and Bo Peep in the same scene. And you could tell that she was porcelain and that he was plastic. Like you could very clearly see like the difference in materials in the two, which is a small fact. But it's like, like just how the light bounced off. Yeah, though. exactly. And how they looked. Like, one looked like Bo Peep looked more solid than Woody because she is filled out. She could break easily. She's porcelain. And <laughs> Woody is plastic. It was just – it was really cool to see. Like, I, Pixar consistently now, amazes me with their quality of animation. I did want to basically close with the end as well. I think there are a lot of, you know, main story beats going forward at the franchise and everything because now you start we, – we've gone over the enemy a little bit what, the antagonist was quite different. This we have a doll named Gabby. Gabby, 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 Gabby. Um, who was a defective toy out of the box and has been sort of waiting for her chance to be able to be played with by a toy. There's a a little girl by the name of Harmony. Um, her grandmother runs this antique store, uh, and Gabby, Gabby is sort of you know fantasizing being her toy, and that's why she wants Woody's voice box so that it can make her whole again to be able to be played with. Um, Woody ends up giving up his voice box in order to get Forky back. And then when Gabby, Gabby actually gets seen by Harmony, Harmony just throws her away. And so Woody being Woody, naturally like kind of tries to cheer her up and then 
she kind of does a, a face turn, turns a little bit good. <laughs> they um, put her over. Yeah. They put and her they, over. And they want to escape with her and everything, and then um, they're trying to get back uh, to Bonnie and her family before heading out on their trip. And then they encounter a little girl that's lost in this carnival that is the setting of all this. And so Gabby Gabby ultimately leaves to go and be with her. And this new girl actually ends up accepting her. I thought that was one of the most emotional points in the movie. And that was kind of weird for me. Because the very end, I feel like, was supposed to be the more emotional moment. But, um, you know, seeing Gabby Gabby being accepted in that in that sort of a circumstance, I just thought it was really kind of heartfelt. And then, of course, the very end, Woody decides to stay with Bo Peep and not go back with the rest of the toys and Forky to be with Bonnie, ultimately becoming a lost toy himself. I, I dug that message, the kind of quote-unquote lost toy thing. Like, yes, technically he's a lost toy, but <clears throat> he's technically emotionally more found. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he's more fulfilled and he's found more of a purpose now that he is quote-unquote a lost toy. Very good love story. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and that's why I say forced. I, it's weird. That's why I think this movie feels more like an end than three does, and that kind of again sounds weird to say because in three you could make a four where you know you have a story with them with Bonnie, but now with Woody being gone, gone, um, I don't see there a way being a fifth one. It just wouldn't feel right if the main cast is not all a part of it. I was I was hoping at the very end, like he's traveling at the carnival. And then, like, Andy's there with, like, his college girlfriend. And then he, like, falls or, like, have some sort of reunion that way. But that I guess that's not the point of the message. Yeah, yeah that kind of under... Go. <clears throat> that would kind of undermine the message, I think. I think underrated is the um, the whole get the, get the dad in jail joke. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, my God. That was so funny. I was like, that's a throwaway joke. Like, the one where there's like, we should send him to jail for a crime. And then they're like, shut up. And then it comes back like 40 minutes later. <laughs> and he's like, he's totally going to jail. <laughs> also, Ducky and Fluffy's plan to get the keys from the grandma, like all the attacks. Lots of throwaway jokes that, like, very funny, very well written. It's just a good movie. <laughs> um. So, yeah. Moral of the story. Kill the pet. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to. I thought Buzz took a backseat this this uh, this movie. But that's I, fine. I, I, no, that's I'm cool. No, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just uh, it was an observation. Yeah. He took a backseat. I love Jesse personally. Kind of sad she had to take a backseat this time. Yeah, she was kind of chilling this movie. So, you know. Anything else before we get out of here? Um, we all like Toy Story. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Toy Story is, you know, one of those iconic um, franchises that I feel like resonates with a lot of people and means a lot to a lot of people. So I think a lot of, you know, older people like us, old heads like <laughs> us will, will like this movie and really like it. But it's also accessible. And like Toy Story 3 was supposed to speak to that older generation that grew up with it. And this one kind of redoes the circle, reconnects the circle, going back to the younger kids. And not to say that it's a quote-unquote a just kids movie. Like I was fine as a grown like a grown adult watching this. But like y'all said, you didn't have to watch the other two, three movies to feel what was going on in this one. 
intense for a G movie, though. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And I don't remember the last time I saw a rated G movie, but I don't know. Here we are. Anyway, that's a good note to end on. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so if you want to find us, you can do that at tinyroll.com slash nevermadevarsity. Leave us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. Anything you like or didn't like, be sure to let us know via our Twitter at NeverMadePod. Thank you to David Cutter for the music, and we will see you next week, maybe with Sarah McCullough this time. Bye. Bye.